Do people know that you believe in reincarnation? If reincarnation is a thing, it makes total sense to me. Who do you think you were before this one? I don't know. Welcome back to Collector's Closet, presented by the Ohio Lottery. Let's discuss my newest prize possession, this new $10 scratch-off, the $500,000 Platinum Jackpot. The best method I've found so far to help it hold its value is to vacuum seal it. This thing cannot get scratched. What's that? Sorry, my producer's telling me the only way it could be worth up to 500 grand is if I do scratch it? Okay, well, in that case, definitely don't overprotect your $500,000 Platinum Jackpot scratch-offs. Play them. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey, this is Reba McIntyre. I'm thrilled to death to be in the studio today with my good buddy, Melissa Peterman. Hey, guys. This podcast is where we get to talk to people we admire about things we care about or we want to learn about. Today, faith and spirituality. But this isn't just going to be about defining one certain religion. Like, this isn't just for Christians, right? Oh, absolutely not. This is just for people to be informed about what we do, what we believe. And then maybe if they have some questions that they're wondering about, we will be answering that for them too in our long discussions. And I think that we're going to get a big kick out of it. And hopefully their hearts will be a little mended, a little healed by what they hear today. I just hope everybody has an open mind and joins us today. And I think what we will find out, too, is that, you know, whether you define yourself as a certain, you know, denomination in a religious or not at all, that the reality is that we all have more in common than we don't. And I hope we find that common denominator today. I am very excited about this because the fact that I've known you for 20 years and there's some stuff that I think would even surprise me. So if it surprises me, it's definitely going to surprise some of our listeners. Probably so. I mean, do people know that you believe in reincarnation? Well, I have talked about that before. I've I've wondered about it for many, many years. Even back in the 70s, I was very curious about it. And if reincarnation is a thing, it makes total sense to me. Who do you think you were before this one? I don't know, but I feel like I'm connected in some way to healing. I'm and music is very healing. So maybe, very in, much maybe so. in this lifetime, you're using a different type of healing. Oh, that makes really good sense. And I notice this about you that sometimes when we travel places that you say you feel like you've been here before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and even if you haven't. So I, I'm interested. And meeting people, you know, I'll say, boy, I, I think you're a kindred soul. I think that you've been here lots of times. You're an old soul. I just don't understand how these young children can just walk up to a piano and start playing without mm-hmm. ever taking a piano lesson. How do they know that? Um, there's a lot of things that have just a very mysterious reasoning from my little mind, but I'm open. I believe in reincarnation and I All I know is that when I come back, I want to come back with somebody with a higher metabolism. And I don't think that's too hard to ask. I don't think that's too much. Well, my friend Ken Keller always told me, he said, we don't know what we don't know. 
And that brings us right around to spirituality and faith. We can't see it. We can't see it. We don't know it. Uh-huh. That's what faith means. You exactly. have to absolutely just take a leap of faith. That you, you believe that in there. something that you can't see. Well, we have two fantastic people coming in. Oh, we definitely do. Annie Downs. I know. I think she could be a kindred spirit to us. I do too. She's written books. She is a preacher. She is funny. And I love her book. It's called 100 Days to Brave. And it's devotional and it's going to make me super brave. Excellent. She's coming in to talk first. And then after, we have someone that you've met Mm -hmm. before. You've actually sung a duet with her before. And I've not met her, but I'm a huge fan. It's Lauren Daigle. And I think they're the perfect combination to teach us what we don't know about faith and spirituality. I agree, 100%. They're going to teach us, we're going to have fun, and I hope everybody hangs in there and listens to us. We've got a very lovely guest in with us today, Annie F. Downs. Hi, ladies. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Reba. I'm so (laughs) glad to be here with you all today. Well, we're super excited. And also, I know we're going to get to our topic of the day, but you also do podcasts, right? Yes, I do. I have my own podcast as well. Well, do you have any advice for us newbies right here? Well, you're doing it and you have the microphones. Other than that, it's just shoot from the hip. Well, good. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. I have lived in Nashville for 12 years, Mm -hmm. grew up in Georgia. I'd like to say that I was born and raised in Georgia, but I probably technically didn't really grow up till I got here. Moving to Nashville by yourself, unmarried, no kids. My parents didn't come. Really will make you grow up and be a person. I've been writing books. I used to teach elementary school. So I've really only got one skill set, y'all. I just entertain people till they learn something. It just used to be fourth graders. And now it's people on podcasts or people uh, that read my books. And so I've been writing for just about the whole time I've been here. Uh-huh. So eight years full time. I travel and speak at conferences, events and churches and then have the podcast and still write books. So that's kind of how I spend my time. But I just love being here. I love Nashville and I love what I'm getting to do. Good deal. I was really intrigued because you have a book that's called 100 Days to Brave. Mm-hmm. And I think that in my opinion, I think fear is the thing that holds us back the most. I All think the fear is the thing that is just the absolute opposite of faith. Yes. And I was curious because, you know, you talk about that you had fears and that 100 days to brave. Was there some moment or some fear that was a jumping off point for you to, to write this book? Well, do you know what's actually true, Melissa, is I don't think fear ever stops whispering to us. I just think at some point we stop listening. You know, like the the whispers are still going to be there. That has never gone away for me. No one that I know that's brave has ever stopped hearing the voices of fear. They just start ignoring them. The switch really for me was moving here. When I moved to Nashville, even though you can imagine, I mean, my whole drive up from Atlanta, I was crying for three and a half hours being like, what am I doing? You don't have to do this. Go back. And I was like, no, I can just stay one day. I'm, you know, I'm going to tell you the real truth about what my rule was when I moved here. I had to make friends. I had no friends. So I was like, you are allowed to sit on the couch and watch two episodes of Reba. And then you have to get up. <laughs> it was always two episodes that I was allowed to watch. And that was it. And after that, I had to get up. That was my only like, stay in your comfort zone thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, now you have to get up and go to a coffee shop and introduce yourself to someone. And so to me, that was the moment of like, I survived the thing I wasn't sure I'd survive. That's what people want to know is they want to know, am I going to make it through this? Am I going to make it through this thing that I'm going through right now? And if I make it, what am I going to need to make it? And, and what I would say is that faith is what helps you make it. And About three years after I moved here, I moved to Scotland for six months. But I'll tell y'all, it was so much easier to move to Scotland than it was to move to Nashville because I had already seen God be faithful one time. Oh, sweet. Right? Like the three and a half hour drive broke my heart. The flight over the ocean, I was like, oh, I know what he does. 
I know what happens when you do this. And so it didn't look the same and it felt a little bit different, but I'd seen him be faithful and that's who he is. And I knew he'd do it again. And so that helps with the fear is when you survive at one time, you think maybe I'll survive this again. Can I be brave in a hundred days? Yeah. So I always say to people, the secret sauce is finishing the book. Because when you think about anything for a hundred days, what always happens, it's just crazy. People go, I couldn't have known that on day 50, my husband would lose his job. I couldn't have known that on day 75, I was going to get this opportunity I didn't know I'd get. I couldn't have known, blah, 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 blah. And it is just the coolest of going like, yeah, if you'll, if you'll have an anchor to anything, for a while, you'll notice how the other things that come into your life are helped by that anchor. Okay. So you obviously you do things that beyond just the four walls of a physical church. So what is yeah. the difference between to you between organized religion and your own personal spirituality? I think both are really important because I think they kind of help each other out. You know, personally, I'm not great at cooking, but I practice it in my house sometimes. But I really love going to the cooking classes at Whole Foods because I watch an expert do a meal and I'm surrounded by other people who want to learn the same thing as me. Great analogy. It took me a minute. Was a I knew really... it was a kitchen one, but I had to find it. <laughs> that was a really good one. That didn't take you long at all. That was no, a great analogy. You. And so I think both matter. I think you should have your own spirituality. You should be asking questions when you're reading the sacred text that you read. I think a personal relationship is really important in your spirituality because in the end, it is just you. <laughs> but that being said, I love learning corporately. I love singing corporately. When I'm in a room full of a couple of hundred people and we're singing it to each other. I went and I went to the big churches mm -hmm. to where my buddies were going, yeah. my family was going, and I didn't feel it. Yeah. I think once you What did said, you want to feel? Something. Hmm. Something, anything. Yeah. And then I found a church. I walked in and it was just like it was wrapping its arms around me and it said, Oh my gosh, you found your home. Yes. And I have. And every time I walk in there, I am so thrilled to be there. Mm -hmm. And when they start that singing, I get that big lump in my throat oh where I can't I sing at all. I'm just so wrapped up in mm -hmm. the spirit. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was looking for. Yep. But it, timing is everything. That's So right. if anybody's out there listening, keep on looking. Yeah. You'll know it when you see it, yeah. when you feel it, when you that's walk right. in those doors, you'll know that's the right place for you. We we're talking about that. And I think to me, that's what I feel guilt about, that I was raised in the Lutheran church and then yeah. sort of was left. I, I kind of like that my parents at a certain age got tired of trying to drag me and my sister to wake up sure. every Sunday. He said, it's up to you to find your own personal relationship with God, with religion, with your own spirituality. And so for my own son, I we haven't quite, I haven't found a church and I, mm. I've dated quite a few, yep. haven't found it. And I think the most guilt I feel about raising our son is that I I miss the community. Yep. So do you have a tip for millennials for how they can learn about their own spirituality? Yeah. The generation coming behind me, I'm in my 30s, is really interested in spiritual things. They aren't overly interested in buildings that represent spiritual things. I mean, you said it beautifully, Melissa. You're allowed to date churches. It's a privileged American thing we get to do. Not every culture and community gets to do it, but... Here in Nashville, we have hundreds of them. Oh, tons. Go find, mm -hmm. go try a couple of different studies. It gets exhausting because you want to plant somewhere. I also don't feel that guilty sometimes because I feel like church is everywhere. And that the way that, mm. you know, I can have, you know, little mini 
conversations all day long with yes. with God, or I, yes. I I can see a beautiful sunset or be outside and know that oh I'm in church. I can hear a song. We were talking about music and how to me who cannot sing like I am so in awe of people who can bring music yeah. to this world. And so yeah. listening to a song can be going to church to me. There's so many ways to do that. Uh, going outside, being yes. walking in Mother Nature. Yes. Anytime you're grateful, you're hurting. Every time you just go to him in prayer, where there's just a little sentence of, boy, thank you for letting me see that or right. being there in that spot right. at that certain time. It's just gratefulness and thankfulness. Yeah. He's given us so much. And it just, don't you like to hear somebody say, hey, thanks. Mm-hmm. He does too. Mm-hmm. My mama, what, 89 years old? She's 93 right now. She was going to church at the mm-hmm. Baptist Church in Stringtown, Oklahoma. Yep. And she had been made to go to church every time the doors were open when she was a kid and just hated it. So she didn't make us kids go to church at all, but we went. And 12 years old, I was baptized in the Baptist church. So mama kind of rocked along. Then she started going to the Baptist church there at Stringtown. And at 89 years old, I think she was at altar call. She walked up and Joey Lansdale, the preacher, said, Jackie, what can I do for you? And she said, well, preacher, I'm turning myself in. (laughs) And he said, beg your pardon? She said, I'm tired of doing it alone. And at at 89 years old, she was baptized. That's beautiful. 89, man, that'll just remind you like, the people you love in your life that you're hoping they'll make that decision, Uh pray again today. You bet. Pray again today because God has not stopped seeing them. I always thought that you did go to church like every Sunday morning as a kid and to find that you didn't until you were 12 and sort of got yourself there. That's that's new to me. Oh, and it's new to me that you just kind of found a church now. Uh-huh. I like that. Yeah. So I'm just curious, like, you know, what are some misconceptions that people come to you about faith or church or organized religion or what, what are yeah. some of the obstacles you come up against? A lot of people talk to me about feeling like God hasn't done what they wanted him to do with their life. A lot of times they are going like, hey, I signed up for this thing when I was 12 and now I'm 35 and this isn't what I thought I was getting myself into. What am I doing here? Uh-huh. Where is this God who answers my prayers? And so it's these conversations around like, yeah, let's back up a little bit and talk about who he is. Let's back up a little bit and talk about like what you were expecting. Uh, Minnie Pearl used to say, you want to hear God laugh? Tell him your plans. (laughs) I remember. Right. I I always have so many things, just conversations with Minnie Pearl. Yeah. I just love that you can just bring that up. Like, you know what Minnie Pearl used to always say? Say when she called me. Do you have any tips regarding dating outside of your faith? Once or twice, I've dated men who don't believe the big things I believe. Right. I think that's where, especially young Christian women can mess up of going like, well, he doesn't think this, 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 and this. And I'm like, yo, pump the brakes. Does he like God? Like, can we just start with some basic things? Um, I had a friend who who's not a believer, not a Christian, and he was married to a Christian. They got divorced. And we were on a trip one time with a group of us. And he said, Annie, you got to marry a Christian. And I was like, well, that's a funny thing for you to say because you aren't. And I was like, why would you say that to me? And he said, for us, for that relationship, he said marriage was hard enough. We had no idea how hard it was going to be using two different maps. Wow. That's one of the reasons that picking a man who has a similar faith to me really matters is we're going to have weird turns in the road. I want to make sure we're on the same map. Love it. Even if we have a little bit of a different topography. Wow. There's about 23,000 country songs that could have been written on (laughs) this podcast. (laughs) Wow. Now, when I'm making friends, I don't care. 
Mm-hmm. You can believe whatever you want. I want to be friends with all of you. But the person I'm going to share a bed and a life and kids and but bank accounts with, we got to have the same north. Okay. All right. So every once in a while, we like to play a little game. Okay, I'm ready. And so here's a new one. And it's called... Yes. The denomination. Guess the denomination. Okay, so we're working on it. This is just a working theme song. Yeah, I'm into it. Okay, so they're going to be commonly known quotes or lines of scripture from world's major religions. Okay. Okay. So it's sort of like, yeah, and you just got to guess what denomination. I want to be smarter than this is going to make me show up, Melissa, but I'm going to try. No, it doesn't doesn't matter. It's all, give it a go. Okay. All right. Do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. Okay. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. I'm going Christian because that says sins. That's going to be my... <laughs> okay, good deal. She's right. Oh, she's right. Thank you. Yes, Thank that you, was Reba. from First Peter. Here's okay. another one from a major religion. You can guess what denomination is this. Okay. Every blade of grass has its angel that bends over it and whispers, grow. Wow. What religion would say that? Would that be New Age that talks no, to their grass? No, this is one of the oldest ones. Oh, Jewish? Wow. Yes. Oh, there we go. Yes. Every blade oh, of grass has an angel. It doesn't matter, big or small. We all yes. have our angel that is rooting for us, yes. which That's I think beautiful. is a wonderful thing. Those who patiently persevere will truly receive a reward without measure. I mean, that is a Christian belief. Mm-hmm. Um, is it also, it, would it also be a Buddhist belief? Oh, it sounds like that to me, but it's Muslim. Muslim. See, it's all very similar. We all share. Try the next one. All right, here we go. All is change in the world of the senses, but changeless is the supreme Lord of love. Uh, That feels like maybe Hindu. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Exactly. Love that. Okay, here's the last one. Hatred does not cease through hatred at any time. Hatred ceases through love. This is an unalterable law. So this is a fun one, too, because it, again, feels like it could be a lot of us uh-huh. because we all probably believe it. But it has that Buddhist ring yep, to it. It is. You're right. Yeah. Because love conquers all. And that's pretty much yep. what all of them say. It's love. I know. And that's what I love about it is that no matter mm-hmm. where um, where you worship and where your faith, it, we all have mm-hmm. so many. We have much more in common. We all have much more in common than we have that's right. that are different. So the number one thing here is love one another. That's love right. yourself. Love one another. There are so many different denominations, religions, um, but we wanted to stress the fact that love is the common denominator. That's it. When you connect with someone else over anything, over a sports team, over a restaurant, over your belief system, some sort of love grows between you. Mm -hmm. And and if we can just keep doing that with each other, the truth will show up. You bet. And you can learn from each other, Mm -hmm. too. Yeah, that's right. Annie, thank you so very much for joining us today. And now we're friends in real life. I would hope so. And now you don't have to watch an episode. I'm going to come to your house. Oh, boy. And I'm (laughs) going to give her your answer. I'm going to reenact episodes. Thank you for coming. Thank you, guys. Love you. Coming up, we talk with Grammy winning singer songwriter Lauren Dayton. Y'all stay tuned. We took it all, we brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Mm-hmm. 
Oh my gosh, we're so excited to welcome to the show singer and songwriter, my good buddy, Lauren Daigle. Woohoo! Hey! Woo-hoo. Yay. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for I having me. I'm going to get this out of the way just right up front. I'm a big fan and I hope I'm playing it super cool. Well, we've been having a great time today yeah. just discussing all kinds of things about religion and spirituality and faith and the difference between religion and spirituality. And yeah. and so if you want to weigh in on any of those subjects, feel free. I love it. All right, let's go for it. Yeah. Okay, What's well, your I mean, I was going to ask, you know, your artistry and what you do is very much based in your faith, but is, isn't it's not the only thing that your music is based in. And I was sort of thinking, how has your own faith religion and or spirituality, which may mean different things to you. Have things yes. changed? Oh, faith does absolutely. Evolve. I think so too. Uh, for me, faith comes from just knowing who Jesus is. And I think as time progresses, you start to learn different facets of who he is in the process. Um, for instance, someone asked me in a Q&A the other day, um, almost the exact same question. She was 14. I was talking from my 15-year-old self. That's how I <laughs> answered the question. Um, she asked me, have you ever doubted God? What, are, what did that look like in whatever particular season of life? And how I said it to her was, whenever you're a teenager, you bring s- certain things to God and you weigh it out and you assess it and you have questions. And some of those questions might be wrapped up in doubt. But for me, he started answering me as my confidant, as my friend, as my companion. When I was walking through hard situations, um, I was sick when I was in high school, so I was placed on homebound for two years. And that was kind of the season where I started to really learn who he was. Uh, Isolation, loneliness, depression, a lot of those things can stir up questions. Is God real? Does this really matter? Uh, What is faith in the first place? A lot of those questions kind of arise within you. And so that's when I found out he was my friend and my confidant and my companion. Fast forward, when I hit my 20s, he was the one who gave me courage. Coming to Nashville, moving at 21, dropping my scholarships at LSU. Like parents like, what are you doing, girl? Come on now. And I was (laughs) flying over to Nashville. Like, I don't know, met some girls one weekend and literally moved in the next. Oh no! He was that source of bravery for me. My faith was what made me, I feel like, be able to do that. You know, you've been labeled and you've gotten a lot of fame and acclaim being a Christian artist. But recently, I think you've expressed that you maybe don't want to have Christian artists and just more of an artist. Like, why have that label? Like, when I order coffee, I don't go, I need a Christian coffee. Yes. Like, do we have to label everything? Yeah. Do you care about that label? You know, it's so funny. This lady in Europe asked me this exact question. And I think sometimes you get asked questions that, You have to learn how, oh, how do I feel about that? Sometimes it's actually right in the moment. And then other times you're like, let me grow with this. This was one that I I feel like I had to grow with. And the most definitive answer that I felt the most compelled to was if Christianity and if that title causes division or some sort of alienation or segregation, I don't want to be a part of that. That is not my goal. If you see the word Christian and you think, hope and kindness and love. And you can see elements of Jesus Christ in that, not what the world has made Christianity to be, but actually Jesus Christ, then I want to be a part of that. If it causes division, take it out because that's the exact opposite Opposite, of the goal. Yeah. Whenever we were making the record, we talked about, okay, let's just make music that extends the tent pegs. Like, all right, there's a people group here. If they want to label themselves as Christian, great. This can 
touch their lives. The sin means something to them. But there's also a bunch of people that they don't have that belief system. But how can we make music that touches their soul too and that inspires them and shows them hope and love and all the things that I care about just for people mm. in and general. And music can touch someone's yeah. soul and we don't have to label music. It can just be a great song. I told my mom the other day, I said, I bet there's going to be a lot more songs in heaven that weren't labeled worship or weren't labeled Absolutely. Christian that changed people's lives. You appeared on The Ellen Show, which is a fantastic platform. Love great her. And love her. Oh. And what a way to share your music and your artistry. And, you know, unfortunately, some people weren't too happy that you went on Ellen. How do you feel about that? How did you react? Well, if people paid attention to what it is that she does. Which is awesome. Which is awesome. Like what she does. You know, there's a segment after the show had stopped. Recording was finished, all that. She comes out and addresses her audience. And she says, the joy that you felt in this room today, that's the joy that you go and spread to every other person you meet on the street. When you pass someone, don't overlook them. When you see someone who needs something. And when you sometimes see, it takes just a tiny. Just an ounce. A tiny ounce. Like yeah. I would say, the tip of your pinky finger yeah. can change somebody's day, day to spread a little bit of joy. Yes. And when you see her, that capacity in her and out of all the shows and stuff we've done, she has, she came, she watched our sound check. She came, shook hands with every band member. That's not, that's not the standard. I'll not say. the norm. That's not the norm. She sat, had a conversation. This was like not on camera. This was like just her giving of her time. And, um, we noticed that the team was so vibrant. They were so happy. Every person that came up to us, it was like their favorite day in the world. And we said, okay, come on, give us the secret, the ingredient. What is it here? And they said, it actually is Ellen. Like she really is this way. She does make us all so happy. And we don't have, why would you have something to be upset and it's, about? That's the opposite of what it means to me is to say that somebody can't do something mm -hmm. because they don't agree with something. The more I people, the, the, and what a wonderful platform. Yeah. And in the same vein, then Ellen got, you know, some flack because she was sitting next to um, George, George W. Bush. George yeah. Bush. It's like the more people you sit next mm -hmm. to, the more people you that learn. you talk to or yeah. spread your message that are different than you, the more you learn. Why wouldn't you want to do it? I wish they had have filmed what she said after the tape had stopped I know. to the audience. That's the kind of message. And I love what she always says. Be kind. Be kind. Yes. Yeah. The mugs that we got uh -huh. say be, be kind. kind. Yeah, I've never been show. on her show, so <laughs> I haven't, I haven't gotten the mug. She's such a sweetheart. <laughs> I've met her several times, and every time I've met her, she's mm -hmm. been totally genuine. Yeah. So we had a little question earlier. How can you give encouragement to young kids searching yeah. for their spirituality? What's, oh. What do you say nowadays to kids? Um, because of my process of being alone, that's what I always say. I say, go find a closet or your bedroom and just let your bedroom be this place that you can come alive and ask questions and dream and think and ponder and let it be just a space that you can live your free yourself in, and you'll start to see God answer you in a way that's really profound. For me, it doesn't have to be a universal way of and communication. And for may be different. Yeah, it is. I think so. I just think it's fantastic to say it's okay to question because we shouldn't shame. Questioning is a good thing. It's, yeah. how you, it's how you learn. It's how you evolve and grow. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Do you feel pressure to be an example or like that a role model, which I think is always unfair to put upon somebody who just is a human being who wants to make music? Good question. That is a great question. I remember the first time there was a mom, she was with her babies, meant nothing wrong by this, but she was in a Q&A or something. She embraced me and said, you don't understand what it is to have a role model like you for my children. You are their idol. And I crumbled. Everything in me was like, no, no. I think at first I was probably like, oh, well, that's so sweet. I, I Thank you for letting me be that. And then the more that kept being told to me, the more weight, the more weight, the more weight. And I, I started having so many doubts. Talk about and anxiety. I so mean, much would... anxiety. I would go to my manager every day like, I don't know how to sustain this. Like, I can't, I can't do this. But I started to realize there's a space that you have to protect, one, yourself, but two, um, where you realize they're not, they are projecting what they desire for their children on me. Cool. I get that. It is my decision of whether I receive the projection or if I just let it fall where it may. I actually don't like the the pedestal. It terrifies me. That's real. That's honest. Um what I do like is sitting next to someone in a coffee shop and having a good conversation. And if that is what a role model looks like to you, then I can do that every day. If it's to fit a box that you desire for me to be speaking into and amounting up to, um, I probably will fail you. That was the part that I had to learn to let go of and say, it is not for me. Do I want to fill that role? Absolutely. But that weight will crush me and not allow me to have any longevity in this. So how do I allow the people-pleasing aspect of being a role model go so that who I actually am can still remain, if that makes sense? It does. It makes total sense. When I was in basketball camp, we had a little brochure. Wait, you went to basketball camp? See, you're learning so much about me. How can I know you for 20 years (laughs) and not know you went to basketball camp? Three years in a row. Who are you? (laughs) They would give us these little booklets of inspirational things to motivate. And one of them, which stuck with me throughout everything I did in my life, is a little poem called Little Eyes Are Watching. Be careful what you do. Because when we're on that basketball court, there's little girls sitting there on the sideline or up in the bleachers. So don't throw a fit on on the, yeah. on the ball court. Don't mm-hmm. throw the ball down and cuss and throw a fit because <laughs> little eyes are watching and they'll copy what you do. Wow. Oh, I love that. So that has helped me wherever yeah. I am, grocery store, yeah. on stage, in the mm-hmm. airport, on the plane, things go wrong. I start to throw a fit and I'm thinking... Who's Little watching? eyes are watching. Yeah. Who's watching? That's a good. That's a good saying. I like that. So when I look for songs, I look for songs that touch my heart. I don't care if it's happy, sad, cry, but it has to touch me, or, or it's just a song with words and melody, because I feel like when I sing the song that touches me, and it goes out to the audience or over the radio waves, that if I've done my job in selecting the right song. If it touches my heart, hopefully it'll touch yours when you hear it. Yeah. How do you select songs? Very similar. Well, you write a lot. Mm-hmm. I was, I was my first year of living in Nashville and about a year and a half in, I went to my label and I said, I just, I don't know if this is for me. And I just remember telling them, I just don't think 
that this process is for me, a lot of these songs feel fabricated. I feel like I'm just telling a story that is it mine? Is it mine? And and it felt very inauthentic and just uh, constructural and just fabricated. And there wasn't anything wrong in that, except for that's not my DNA. I'm really similar to you. And I remember, I just thought, um, and maybe it's a melody issue. Maybe it's a, I don't know, these songs just feel kind of watered down. Or I just remember feeling like I was trying to put my finger on something that I couldn't find. Mm. And when the song that touched my soul landed, that's when I realized, oh, this is what I was so thirsty for. These are the things that I'm compelled by. And if it moved me in the moment that I was singing it, you know, I can recall moments where I'm singing songs and tears are just flowing out of my eyes. And I'm looking at my producer like, we can't cut this right now. And he's like, this is when you cut it right now. (laughs) This is going to be the sound that everybody feels. And I'm like, I don't think so. It's a lump in my throat. Um, (laughs) I totally agree. I had to go to the, my, my, uh, label company president and say, I don't like the songs they're finding for me. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, go find your own songs. And I said, how do I do that? He said, I'll send Don Lanier with you and you go to the publishing companies. Mm -hmm. Because what they were sending me were songs they loved. They thought would be number one hits. But it didn't touch my heart. I would always say that I I could speak more in a melody than I could with words. Mm. Even as a little girl, my brother would say, Mom, she's singing all over the house again. Could you please make her stop? And she'd say to him, at five, I'm five years old, she'd say to him, you never know what's happening in her heart. I'm not going to make her stop singing. Oh, wow. wow. Sweet. She molded that thing. And uh, my grandfather, he would always call me that girl. So every time I'd walk in the door, that girl's here. He's from Mississippi. And we had this coffee crew that would sit around the table every morning. I lived with them when I went to LSU and I'd wake up hair all crazy, rushing out the door, grabbing a piece of bread and a hot cup of coffee to make it to class on time. And there would be all these men sitting at the table. It was the coffee crew every morning at 9 a.m. And as I'm running out the door, he'd say, sing for us. Lauren, just sing for us. Quick, sing for us. And um, I would sing whatever he'd asked me to sing that day. So he would always say, that girl's here. Guys, what do you want her to sing? Well, fast forward, he passed away and we had started writing Look Up Child, I guess about four or five years after after that. And I didn't put two and two together until a couple months after I'd written it. But uh, we wrote this song called This Girl. And I remember in the room saying, like, I felt like I was losing myself. Like, I just missed home so much. Like, I missed home. And the way the acoustics worked in that room, the O-shaped vowel uh, resonated really nice. Like, it it carried really well the reverb. And, you know, certain rooms have certain tonal qualities. And so I remember saying, oh, uh, for the melody line, because I wanted each phrasing to end on an O. Uh, and then we ended up writing, I've been a winding road. Oh, I know, you know. Uh, just can you do that keep, again? I didn't just, hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear it. I want to hear that again. Can you do it again? <laughs> oh, you are so sweet. And at some point I said, this girl ain't going anywhere. And my producer looked at me and said, oh, we should write that song. I said, what song? He was like, this girl ain't going anywhere song. 
And uh, I went in the studio after we finished writing it and kind of put two and two together that my grandfather would always call me that girl. And I wrote a song called This Girl, almost saying like from the perspective of who he always saw me as, like this girl isn't going anywhere. That's cool. Yeah. I, I He passed away four days before my first single came out. And he never saw any of this. And I think I was about to say, I think he's seen even more than I than I have, you know, biggest cheerleader in heaven. Yeah, that's right. That's That's how it feels. Yeah. So good. So good. (laughs) So. So, Reba, do you have any songs that you sing when you're on stage that that make you feel that way? Oh, tons of them. Is there life out there? It's a, a reminder of going to college and um, wondering is there life out there? Is is what's next for me? Being on stage and then the lonely nights when I first got started, being by myself mm-hmm. in a hotel room or in the back of a bus and, yeah. and calling home. This always gets me. Calling home and um, everybody's there in mm-hmm. the kitchen and they're they're eating dinner together and I hang up the phone in the hotel room and you just lay down and yeah. cry. Yeah. And they think that you're probably living the most glamorous life yeah. right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That song is her life out there. I'm telling you, if you go to any of her concerts and you even did it one time, I think during that song, you put up real pictures of women or anybody that wrote in and said, this song made me go back to school wow. and become a nurse. This song made me leave a relationship that I knew was toxic. This song made me think I could be anything I wanted to be. So the fact that that's the song for you and that's the song that I think resonates with so many people that allows them to believe what is possible. That's no coincidence that that's the song. Probably so, so. There, there have go. been women stand up in the audience and wave their diplomas. When what? she sings. When I sing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that song. Just that song. That's amazing. And then, of course, the song Greatest Man I Never Knew takes me back home to uh, daddy and mama and, um, you know, him coming home after dealing with cattle all day long to a bunch of four loud kids. And, <laughs> um, but the greatest man I never knew lived down the hall. Wow. And one day we said hello, but never touched at all. Wow. And one day after a concert, he was there at the show, and we went, <laughs> I went backstage, and he was there in the dressing room, and he said, Reba, I finally figured out who that song is about. I said, which one? He said, The Greatest Man. I said, who's it about, Daddy? He said, Jesus. Oh. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> Not exactly, Dad. <laughs> did you ever? Did you ever tell Clark? No, no, I never did. Never had that conversation, unfortunately. Interesting. That was back in 99 when he told me that. I think it's pretty profound, too, that music is the, such a universal language that you can be deaf and still hear music. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy to think about? So many people like that will come to concerts and stuff. They actually can't hear how we hear, but they can hear. That is potent. They can feel it. Yeah. Man, music is a universal way to be spiritual, to to show your faith and celebrate your religion. And it doesn't mean it has to be a religious song. It can be music can transform you from all different genres. I think music is the most powerful thing God has given me in my life. Mm -hmm. And I am very grateful and thankful for it. And I'm very grateful and thankful that you are our guest here today. I appreciate it. Thank Thank you you for your music, your gift. And what you share with us, which is more than music, it is 
the gift that God has given you. Oh. It's a great bundle right here. We love you to pieces. Thank you. I love you guys so much. Y'all what she it. said, because I can't say it better than that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so Thank much. You. This is a great time. Okay, so we're welcoming back Annie into our circle here. I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. Annie, what did you think about our session with Lauren? Well, gracious, it just makes me teary. I just love hearing people's journeys with God toward Him. And I'm a huge Lauren Daigle musician on stage fan. I'm a bigger Lauren as a woman of God fan and who she is in real life, which is what we just got to experience. She's Ditto. just she's just really who she is. And yep. we don't meet a ton of people like that. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm, it's in my show, but I'm just very interested. <laughs> well, no, you can. <laughs> I'm like, are there nights where songs move you in different ways than other nights? Sure. Yeah. Sure. When I did Annie Get Your Gun on Broadway on two th- in 2001, every night I would get off stage and say, all right, tonight, that was my favorite song. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. And again, you are touched by music for a reason. Mm-hmm. Even when you're the one performing it. Oh, totally. Wow. Totally. What song gives you a spiritual experience? Maybe, and not, okay, for two of you here, it can't be your own. Right. Okay. So here we go. How about that? <laughs> what song is like a spiritual experience for you when you hear it? The one that I can barely sing, and I only did it once when I recorded it, was How Great the Heart. Mm-hmm. I just bawled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Well, I, that's so funny that you said a hymn because I was going to say, turn your eyes upon Jesus. We cut that song at the end of Look Up Child. And it's the song that we end the night with. And every time I sing it, I'm like, what is happening? And then uh, something beautiful, something good, that whole song. We sing that at the end. I didn't write that one. Or it's not my song either, but goodness gracious, whenever we sing it, it's like time changes Mm -hmm. and you just don't even feel like there's, there's no time signature. Mm -hmm. There's no amount of time that could interrupt that moment. There's no clock. There's no schedule. It could just go on into eternity. I feel, I feel connected to those two songs in that way. Such a great feeling. Yeah, it is. You go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she got you. (laughs) Um, I have that experience with Mumford and Sons songs a lot. Mm-hmm. Awake my soul after the storm with grace in her heart and flowers in her hair. I just yeah. feel like I went to their show at Bridgestone Arena here in Nashville six months ago. And I left and I said, God, if there's any way I can, I'm, I'm going to. I don't even know, I know why. It's I'm like, if there's in any here. way I can make people feel about you the way Mumford and Sons just made me feel about you, yeah. just tell me. Yeah, oh, Just sweet. tell me how to do that. Because yeah. they don't sing about Jesus, but he, they do. Mm-hmm. And they're in my heart, they do. Yeah. And so that's the one that is not like a, considered a Christian song that always yeah. reminds me of him. I love that. Do you have one? It's River. Joni Mitchell. Yeah. Yes. Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. What are you feeling? Are you going to tell us? It connects me to a friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. Her good friend. Isn't that beautiful? I don't know why I'm crying about it. Well, because it moved you. And that's that's nothing wrong with being moved. It's music for me. It's totally it. Oh, oh my God. I totally ball. Okay. So River Joni Mitchell, I'm pulling myself together. Yeah. Um, do we want to play this quick game? This will get me out of yeah. it. So we're, I'm going to do a little word association. These are okay. like sort of terms based sort of loosely on religion, spirituality, faith. And I, I'm going to, you just, first thing that comes to your mind, I'm going to go around the room. Okay. okay. 
Here we go. Sunday school. Chalky, Oklahoma. Um, goldfish. Okay, good one. I'm thinking goldfish crackers. I know, yeah. That's a really true answer. Um, felt boards, because they used to put the animals up on the boards. Church ladies. Uh, Miss McGee. Smell. Casseroles. Nice. All right, prayer. Oh, daily. Minutely. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, I think stillness and peace. I think connection. Sin. Guilty. Um, separation. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say disconnection. Angels. Everywhere. Close. I was going to say close. Yeah. yeah Reba gets to go first. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah maybe I got to change this up. <laughs> right. Right. Um, okay. Angels. Helpers. Heaven. Uh, bright. I think because I just said it close. I think it's so much closer than what we feel. Yeah. yeah. Home. Hell. Hot. Far, please. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this will be our last one on this episode here. Church basement food. Basement food. I'll start this one. Yeah, you go. Ooh, any sort of jello with carrots floating in it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Hey, you've never been to a Lutheran basement Uh potluck until you've had jello with all sorts of things in it. Give me a what, what, live again, (laughs) living good right there. (laughs) Um, I would say punch with... Um, lime sherbet floating in. Oh my gosh, oh that my was fancy. Gosh. Yeah. A ring of lime sherbet. Yeah, yeah, that was mm-hmm. a wedding. Whoa. Okay, we didn't have basements, so oh, yeah, I, Louisiana. Style. Yeah, right. you digging the, you digging the ground. I promise you're gonna be swimming. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would say that cream corn. Good one. The good creamed one. corn. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's all the time we have. That's all the time we have, and we're going to end this session a little differently. Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for this day. Thank you for the guest that we had. Melissa and I are so grateful and thankful to you. Lauren and Annie, thank you very much. We lift you up, and we thank you for sharing your experiences and your love for the Lord. Now we're going to go home, get a bite to eat, and say thanks to the Lord for the great food, great fellowship, and ending a great day the perfect way, just the way He had planned it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Living and Learning with Reba McIntyre is a Spotify original podcast hosted and produced by me, Reba McIntyre, and my dear friend, Melissa Peterman. Our executive producers are Liz Gately, Yasi Salek, Gina Delvac, Danny Traybatch, and Justin McIntosh. Also produced by Dylan Rupert. Michael Hardman is our editor. Original music is composed by Doug Sizemore. Very special thanks to Leah Edwards, Alex Nelson, Robert Adler, Casey Simonson, Whitney Welch, Rebecca Crawford, Rachel Margolis, and Suzanne Bender for production support.